Welcome to the Quick Stop F1 podcast. My name is Nasha and you could have been anywhere in the world, but you're here with us. We appreciate that. Joining me today is my favorite. Why are you my favorite? One of my favorite podcasters, one of my favorite sim racers, one of my favorite real racing drivers. To be fair, you're probably the only person I know that's raced drive uh, cars professionally, but that doesn't make you not my favorite. Welcome to the show, Mr. Brad Philpott. Hello. Thank you for having me. So I'm, I'm so, so happy to have you. I forgot to put the sound effects on. So two seconds whilst I give you some cheering. There. Awesome. <laughs> we got there. We got there in the end. Oh my God. How's it going, Brad? It's good. I was just saying to you before the show, in the pre-show, that yeah. I feel really inadequate following Jay from Wolfpack last week. I was listening to that episode in the car, loving it, agreeing with everything, like <laughs> cheering. And a guy that has that much charisma and, you know, and is that, he sounds cool and American. And then yeah. I'm on the next week. Like, <laughs> I just feel like you're the audience are getting a bit of a downgrade, but I'll do my very best. No, look, the audience uh, love every time you're on. They love your insight, and that's why we've got you on. But speaking of the audience, if you're watching this, make sure you're giving this a like and a subscribe. If you're watching this on YouTube, give us a five-star rating on Spotify. And don't forget to leave an Apple podcast review. It all helps. And remember, we've got a Patreon, which has an ad-free stream and extra content. All for you. Link in the below. Brad. One, um, I would say you are here. The last time you were here was, I think, was it before the season started? Um, Maybe. What, back when we were all like hopeful and we thought this could be a good year and we'd suffered enough, but now it's going to be fine because this new car is the one and then it wasn't the one. It was. It's not the one, the two, or three. But um, what do you? What are your thoughts on on this season so far? I guess just from like a general spectacle of the sport. Um, you know, there's lots of chats about whether the regulations are working. I guess depending on which stat you choose to to pick up, whether it's the gap between Red Bull and everyone else, which you know seems to be relatively bigger, or the gap between first to second, uh, so first to last, which seems to be smaller. So depending on how you cherry pick you know how the season is going some people are saying it's incredibly entertaining some people are saying that it's not what are your what are your thoughts on that i think this season proves that karma is not real um it's it, it proves that you know nice guys oh sorry um the good guys don't necessarily always come through to win it, you don't get the rightful winners um it proves that all of our suffering over the last year and and all of our hope um, was potentially uh, a little bit misplaced and maybe just we're going to turn into Ferrari and next year will be our year and, and we're going to be in that continued cycle. I hope, I hope that isn't the case. Um, in terms of um, the rest of the spectacle that isn't just the people I want to win, um, <laughs> I mean, it kind of speaks for itself, doesn't it? Because... Red Bull are, are just so far ahead it's not even funny and I'm I'm just really struggling to to keep my enthusiasm knowing that we've got such a long season remaining and I don't have much hope for a fight at the front and I'm just trying to recalibrate 
how I see Formula yeah. One. I'm trying to enjoy it for everything apart from the win, which is a bit of a weird... It's a slightly different way to have to look at it. Um, but yeah, the gap between the, the first and the second teams, whoever the second team might be on week to week, it's massive, isn't it? And it's going to stay massive yeah. for a while. It's huge. I mean, like, I don't know. I've kind of like, normally I miss F1. I'm not going to lie. And especially if we have like, I think we had a similar break last year where, you know, we didn't have China and I don't think they replaced it. And, you know, there was, there was like a bit of an extra gap. And normally I like, you know, like I miss the sport but at this current moment in time there's not much to to kind of there's not much to look forward to to kind of you know going back like you say if you're someone that's focused on the battle at the front and look that's not a knock on red bull themselves you know they've done an incredible job and you know however you think they've done that job you know cost cap and whatever and cheating and not cheating but i mean i guess it is cheating but the um or you know or whatever happened in 21 you know at the end of the day as far as we know that car is relatively legal and and they've done an incredible job so there's not much you could do about that so as you know as a fan of the second or third fastest car knowing that unless something significant happens to Red Bull, your chances of winning are pretty much zero. Yeah, it is a bit of a recalibration. I, I, there's not really much for me to look forward to other than I think, you know, making content about a race. I think three weeks without a race is just like, or four weeks is going to be by the time we get to there. It's going to be like a lot of content without races. So I think that's what I'm looking forward to. But yeah, I mean, what is there to look forward to? So I lived through like, so I lived through the Schumacher domination years. You know, I've I've lived through yeah, I've been a Formula One <laughs> fan for a really long time. I've I've been through periods like this. I just don't think mm. I've ever been through a period like this where I disliked the people who were winning so much. It's not just that my team or my guy isn't winning. It's that the the ones that are winning are the ones I don't feel should be winning. <laughs> So I never liked Ferrari back in the day when Schumacher was dominating with Ferrari. I never liked them, but I didn't like them because they were winning so much. I didn't have any other real thing against them. In later years, I, you know, learning about their veto on the rules and that they probably did have some unfair advances. I maybe liked them a yeah. bit less because of that. But in the period, I just didn't like Schumacher really because he was just winning so much, which is probably how a lot of people saw Hamilton and Mercedes over the last few years. But with Red Bull, I just actively disliked them for other reasons. You know, we could list them. And you've done a brilliant job at documenting some of those reasons um, over the last couple of years. And so that's why it feels particularly annoying. The only, the only kind of positive I can draw from this is Mercedes and, and by extension, Lewis are not totally out of the picture. They're out of the championship picture or the wins picture most of the time, but they haven't slipped to like, they haven't done a McLaren. They've not just slipped to nowhere and they've got no hope. I, I think yeah. they'll finish second in the championship. I think that's a realistic, you know, by what we've seen the last race or so. So there is some hope that they're going to be there or thereabouts. The only thing that sours mm. that hope for me is as much as I like George Russell, I think he's brilliant. I find him like an an annoying fly buzzing around any potential success that Lewis might be able to nab. Russell's just there like kind of in the background to take points or 
you know, and, and fair play to him if he does, if he does it on merit and, he, and he, yeah. he's just quicker than Lewis in a given weekend, whatever. But he's just, yeah. I'm just not like the Russell fan as much as I, as much as I like Lewis. So there we go. No, I mean, look, that's like such a thing about this season, isn't it? That, you know, I think, I think the gloves are off on how people view George one way or the other. Um, I think there's been enough, look, there's been enough evidence to suggest with George that he will always be rooting for number one. And, you know, he is, whether that's self-preservation mode, you know, wanting, you know, he's got a three-year contract. He's obviously going to want another one. Um, and he wants to beat Lewis, obviously, because he's a racing driver. Why wouldn't he? Obviously, that is at odds with, you know, having Lewis Hamilton in your team. So, obviously, Lewis is exactly the same. He wants to be, he wants to be George. He wants to, you know, he wants to be top dog. Obviously, he wants to remain as top dog in that team. So, I think that with the, with the lack of, um, how do I describe it? With the lack of, um, um, with the lack of storyline at the front of the grid, I think it's going to really be a massive thing. This battle between Lewis and George, and I think already the narratives are starting to be woven. You know, you know, look, George is three 0 up and qualifying. Some people are using that stat as like, look, he's dusting him when, you know, Lewis is ahead in points in the championship and you know, some people would use that. So I guess it's going to be an interesting thing uh, going forward. Yeah. I think with the lack of, like you say, the lack of Red Bull intra-team competition, because, you know, Perez had his little moment in the sun where he was nearly at the front of the championship. How long did that last? And, you know, that's... <laughs> unless some random weird stuff happens, that that's long gone. So you're right, people are going to yeah. pick up on the other storylines. And a juicy one is, yeah, for the people that want to see Lewis's downfall or are thinking that he's going to, you know, that he's just passed it or whatever, they'll pick up on any negative in the, the George v. Lewis battle. And for everyone else, it's just interesting because they're so damn close on pace. Um, you know, the, mm. the qualifying battle from last year was just unbelievably close, which just it goes yeah. to prove how good George is. I just wish, and, and just dredging up the past, I just wish George was there in 2021, you know, yeah. s- where Lewis was super comfortable in the car and George would have probably been taking a second role, actually picking up the points that, Bottas should have been picking up and taking away some then we wouldn't have needed it wouldn't have mattered what happened at Abu Dhabi but yeah anyway not, no, that, not that I've got any <laughs> residual pain still from that season I mean look I've still got a lot of emotional damage from that season I've got I've got no regrets in saying that whatsoever um and you're right and I think that's another reason I mean look, I didn't plan on talking about George and Lewis but I think that's quite a good thing not quite a good thing. That is something that I was always kind of saying during 21 was like, Valdi Bottas <laughs> is not good enough for this role. And if he was good enough for this role, we'd be going, to, going into Abu Dhabi, Max Verstappen would have significantly less points. Now, the other argument some would say is, well, you know, he might have taken points off Lewis and, and you know, then does it almost counteract if a team has one person at the front and you'll have two, are they not going to take points of each other? So maybe there's that. Yeah, I just think in that season, you were in a, a point where Mercedes, like the car was really really good. Hamilton was very comfortable in the car. And I think um, George coming into that team, it would have very much been, 
Lewis's team, Lewis is on top. By the time George got his feet, although having having said that, George did nearly win the race the previous year, but Lewis wasn't in that race. So he, he nearly beat Bottas. He didn't nearly Very beat important. an informed Hamilton. <laughs> so I just think, I think it would have been just the right side. I think he, he would have been just far enough behind for that year that Lewis, he's taking points off Verstappen, not off of Lewis. And then maybe, maybe then he would be, you know, on a level pegging, a uh, level playing field by last year. Anyway, whatever. Uh, maybes that didn't happen, but yeah. Yeah. Positives for this year. It will be exciting. It'll be a, an interesting fight. And, and I'm looking forward to that much. Yeah. I think no doubt. Lewis and, um, Lewis and, uh, and George are going to have a really good battle. I don't, I, I'm not one of those people that just thinks that George is rubbish. Like clearly George is really good. Um, I do think Lewis is going to shade him over the course of the season. The qualifying thing is a surprise, but I think there's, you know, there's reasons for that. Um, but, you know, uh, we will see going forward how it, how it goes. Speaking of Lewis, Lewis took some uh, some time out this weekend, ballied up, uh, looking like he was either going to rob a bank or he was very cold. Um, and uh, he went and saw uh, Nick at uh, British uh, Touring Cars. Um, uh, Nick, who actually posted one of his best results. Uh, no, his actual best result. Uh, so congratulations. I think he was seven. I think he was six. I think he was six in the end. There you go. Which is very go. good. So... That's really good uh, in a in a very packed field. Um, you actually have some experience driving against Nicholas Hamilton. Yeah, so Nick worked at Palmersport when I, or for some of the period when I used to work there. So we used to instruct together, um, and and then I did a one-off British touring car round back in the pandemic at Brands Hatch at the season finale, and because of the. The part of the grid I was inhabiting, which was, you know, near the back of the teens in my my sole event, um, that's the kind of area that Nick was in as well. Nick having been in there for a few years, um, we were both in um, less desirable teams, and yeah, we ended up just in you know, all three races sharing the same bit of track. And it was, I was always one of us ahead of the other one. I think he had a he had a spin in one of the, in just one of the races but apart from that we were always like swapping positions so so yeah it's um i'm not close personal friends with nick but i've known him for a long time and um and yeah i'm really really pleased that he that he got that good position i didn't see the race actually but it's just nice that like the one race lewis has rocked up to because um, he wouldn't normally have time because he lewis does a lot of racing himself um he, he uh, nick got his best result and yeah the photos were quite funny lewis is standing in the in the crowd on a rainy bank at donnington just like in the general admission not in a vip section just on the bank with everyone else um all in a big coat snuggled up no one would have any idea it was him I'm on mute. I'm on mute. Hold on. Now Hello? I can hear Yes, now I can hear you. What a dickhead! <laughs> oh my god! I'm literally... like, It's really confusing, the sign for mute, because then you, you press mute, and then it's like... But it says unmute, so then you put... Yeah. Oh, I nearly did it I several times. Oh, I'm not in great form at all. I'll tell you that. Um, I can't believe I just did that. What I was going to say was, 
Uh, yeah, no, I think it was incredible. And I think, like, you know, for those who don't know, um, you know, Nicholas Hamilton has cerebral palsy. Um, he uh, drives a, you know, a modified car that allows him, you know, to to race. Um, so, you know, I think it's just an incredible an incredible achievement and incredible like poster for like you know if you have dreams go for it and you know overcoming whatever like you know obstacles that may or may not come in your way i just think that's an incredible incredible thing to, to achieve that and like you say for him to achieve that result with his brother there who we all know is a big influence on him uh you know as any any person's big brother would be but let alone if your big brother was lewis hammond uh yeah, i just think that's uh, an incredible incredible advert for motor racing uh and just following your dreams in general yeah it's um he's really stuck at it he's he's been going for a while in btcc and I, this is this is the thing about nick i don't think he accepts any funding help from lewis because lewis could quite easily pay for him to be in one of the very best teams and mm. and the fact that he is never in one of the good teams, despite the fact that they're more than happy to field an extra car if someone pays, because I've seen some rubbish drivers in front-running teams when they've paid the money. So it's not that he wouldn't be able to get into a top team, but he never is. And that suggests to me that he... And, and he's actually said to himself, he's always self-funded. You know, He's going out and finding sponsorship deals. And I'm sure being the brother of Lewis Hamilton doesn't hurt, but it's also not a guarantee you're going to get funding. And so... I think he's always turned down you know, help in anything other than advice from Lewis. So, so fair play to him. Oh man, like it's uh, it's absolutely, uh, absolutely incredible. And like I say, yeah, really, really cool to see Lewis at British Touring Cars. Like I can say, just like um, trying to bag Donington. He said he hasn't actually been to Donington for for ages. Obviously, you can't really imagine why why he would probably uh, since you know, British Formula Renault Pro- British Formula okay. Renault in 2003 maybe maybe 2002 yeah. so it would have been a long time oh man like it's uh that yeah god that is a long time isn't it um have you ever been to Donington yes I did my BTCC test there. I've never raced Donington funny enough but I've, yeah. I've done a lot of testing a lot of instructing there um cool track and was um, was supposed to host Formula One instead of Silverstone a few years ago, wasn't it? And then there was a whole big saga where it, they went bankrupt yeah. and it went back to Silverstone anyway, so. Yeah, yeah, right. And I think, like, I remember thinking at the time, that, like, Donington's quite short, isn't it? Yeah, it was uh, fine it in 1993. Was it 93 where yeah. Senna had that um, amazing first lap in the McLaren? But yeah. the cars weren't as quick. Um, you know they they were using the full GP Grand Prix circuit, obviously, but yeah, it's not wasn't massive, yeah. and that's why they had plans to massively extend it for modern Formula yeah. One, and it, it didn't happen. So it's back to how yeah. it used to be. Um, but yeah, <laughs> good, good national track that. But it's just so, just so funny thinking of Lewis Hamilton stood there in the crowd and no one knew. But <laughs> yeah, right, just just there, like ballied up, like fair play to him, man, uh, and fair play to Nick. Um, where do we go next? Well, actually, at this point. I'm going to stick an advert in. And if you don't like adverts, join our Patreon for an ad-free, like, feed. Sorry. Let me tell you now. I've just come back from a stag do. My brain is not working at 100%. Like, absolutely. I feel like I'm watching myself do a podcast right now. Right. And well, I'm sorry for my... I don't want to interrupt your advert. 
So if you need to insert it now, anyway, that do. wasn't the advert. But, uh, <laughs> no, 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 I know, I know that wasn't the advert, but you were about to slot it in after you finished talking. I also feel yeah. just like you. I haven't been on a stag weekend, but I feel frazzled. Mm. I've been at yeah. Silverstone all day, instructing in the rain, and oh, um, so I've been I've been um, looking after drivers um, for a charity, which I can probably name drop here. It's called Spinal Track. Yeah, so sure. it's, a, it's a charity um, run by the FIA's disability. Um, I don't know what the right name is but who the, the person in charge of disability um at the fia her name's natalie mcgloin um she's a paraplegic race driver herself and it's for people with spinal injuries to drive race cars and so i've been instructing drivers in hat with hand controls in golf gti track cars around silverstone grand prix circuit all day in the pouring rain whilst uh, probably it's felt like a hundred Porsches and Ferraris and other race cars were driving around with us. And I've wow. just been doing my best to keep us out of the barriers all day. And I feel very, very frazzled. In fact, some of my drivers were excellent. But um, but yeah, so I, I feel similar to you, although not because of probably the same reasons. <laughs> yeah, you. yeah. Mine is very self-induced, whereas yours is, I feel like, yeah, I, I would be slightly frazzled by that, to be honest. Quite a lot of responsibility. Um, and also, like, a lovely thing. And what I would do is stick a Spinal Track uh, link down below if you want to check out Spinal Track and everything they do. Of course. Um, here's an advert. Enjoy. Righty-ho. Where should we go? Let's go. Let's stay with Mercedes. And there was some big news, uh, which I saw whilst... <laughs> so thank you to everyone who tagged us in this news. Uh, I was away this weekend, uh, so I, I kind of took a break from Twitter. Um, and I saw a lot of notifications a lot of celebrity, uh, celebrity, celebratory tweets announcing the news that Mike Elliott and James Allison are to swap places um, uh, in the Mercedes technical hierarchy, um, which means James Allison uh, no longer on his boats and hose uh, dream. Uh, he's He's been brought in from the cold too assist with the upgrades and has had a big hand in what seems to be the uh, much talked about a much um, hyped Imola upgrade uh, for Mercedes I guess Brad what are your thoughts on this because um, there's been a lot of talk about Mike Elliott's position within Mercedes obviously with the way that the car's gone and the concept, um, you know, however you want to discuss, you know, whether it's the, the floor concept or the side pods concept, he seems to have taken quite a lot of flack for that publicly. Uh, I guess, is this like a, an expected move? Is, is this something that, you you know, you, you kind of thought might happen? Or what are your thoughts on it? So this obviously comes with the caveat that I obviously have no insight into the inner workings of the Mercedes technical structure. But my thoughts from just from my armchair position are that obviously Mercedes um, have been doing some soul searching. They, they don't feel like the direction they've gone in has been the right one in the last, you know, since, since the new regulations came in. Although I just want to point out if Red Bull weren't so dominant, we'd be thinking, yeah, this Mercedes is pretty good. 
you know, we talk about how great the Aston is, but really the Mercedes is about as good, almost identical, maybe slightly quicker, some tracks. So without Red Bull being this giant leap ahead, Mercedes are actually kind of fine, but by their own standards, that's not good enough. And so it's natural that the person who's been heading up that that concept and we've we've done we said the word concept to death but the person who's been in charge of the technical department during this period might face the chop or a you know reshuffle james allison who's got a history of being a, a really well thought of technical director um obviously used to work for ferrari um various other teams and and was I think reasonably important in the latter years of Mercedes dominant years and has been off seemingly doing what every um, technical genius tends to do, which is go and design boats for some reason. They just get bored of Formula One and go and do like America's Cup. I don't know why. Um, and so I'm not surprised. I don't know whether it will make a massive difference because as with all these things, the person at the top, they're not the one, although they might guide the direction, they're not making all the decisions. They're not They're not the ones on the ground designing every individual part. I think Adrian Newey for Red Bull said he only designs, you know, uh, himself only designs like a piece of the front suspension. It's more that they're there as like a guiding force. So yeah. I, I would imagine well before Alison was back working in the factory every day if that's what he's doing now they probably had identified certain areas and and were already working towards them but it it doesn't hurt if you've got someone who has seen to have been seen to maybe have failed or just not quite done the job to have someone fresh in to just head up the department might just keep everyone positive and and focused and yeah so that's my thoughts really it's difficult to know specifics but i'm not surprised and i don't think it's a particular negative mm. i mean look what is crazy is that the change has come about as a result of elliot himself <laughs> uh revamping or uh the had a review i'll read it out here uh mike has led a review of our technical organization to ensure we have the right structure to deliver sustainable success in the future um and you know uh, james allison is going to report into mike elliott so i find it hilarious that <laughs> he's removed himself mike- from the role <laughs> <laughs> my guy's removed himself from the role Giving himself a promotion and then put the person he replaced on. <laughs> no, that is incredible. Um, fair play. Look, um, <laughs> that is failing upwards if I've ever seen it. Yeah, but that's brilliant. Look, look, I think we'd all do that. Look, if I could give myself a promotion, maybe give myself less work, um, put the guy that I replaced back underneath me and have, have them report to me uh, as 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 their boss then look there's not there's not many better ways to get yourself out of uh failing at your job and look um my thoughts on this i think I, I like you say like the car the problem is the car comparatively to to last year i mean they you know we feel like we've gone backwards um you know, the Red Bull has gone forwards like considerably. So it's almost hard to to really figure out what particularly is wrong. And even from the first race to this, uh, to the last race that we had, there seems to be, obviously you never know track dependent things. And obviously in Australia is a bit of a different circuit to other, other circuits. But there does seem to have been some progress. And, you know, they, although 
we were never gonna win in Australia, uh, which is you know if, looking at how the race went and the speed differentials and and all of that. Uh, it's not you know. Uh, <laughs> It's not as much of a clusterfuck in that team as, say, Ferrari, you know, yeah. like, like, but those are the standards set by Mercedes and those are the standards set by Lewis Hamilton. And I think it's probably the most, probably the most proactive thing I've seen Mercedes do since designing the W13, I guess, and, and trying to be fun fitted and trying to kind of, you know, be... Uh, a forward-thinking organisation. But we'll see. I guess the proof is in the pudding. James Allison wanted to step back. Um, two seconds. Someone's calling me. I can't answer. Um, James Allison wanted to step back. Um, and, you know, that's fine. Um, so, you know, him coming back, I hope that, you know, he's in the right mental space to to want to step back in and that, you know, his ideas and things he wants to do work for the team and i guess we'll see i i can't really celebrate it until some good stuff happens and you know toto was always already kind of rubbishing the the imola imola upgrade after the first race of the season saying well three tenths isn't really gonna give us anything so i'm not particularly like excited for the imola upgrade um but we'll see i guess we'll see yeah i I don't know quite how much of that Imola upgrade was just already set in stone, you know, uh, before we even got to the first race, you know, they're already working towards that direction based on the the current concept. But yeah, whatever. If, if they do have a, a current concept three tenth upgrade and they just bolt that on and it just makes this current version of the car a bit better, it's not a bad thing. Um, and I think it's good that they've, that they've thrown their weight behind, uh, a drastic change to make up the big step to Red Bull and that and that that's their kind of that's their target and that they're not just happy with second I'm, I'm glad that's their attitude it's a shame that it's another season where they don't have a, a chance in the, in the in the standings but it's if anyone can do it Mercedes can do it. you know out of all the teams that aren't Red Bull if you were going to back a team to be able to come through on a big technical change mid-season and, and who have the resource I know everyone's restricted on resource but who have the strength in depth to to do the analysis you know Mercedes have have effectively come through this year and last year with a completely flawed package and still been better than basically other team every other team with heavily restricted development because of their previous championship positions so if they're able to to be second quickest and you know snapping at the heels of of the clearly the best car um when they've got it completely wrong having some time to reflect and think about it and you know maybe come back a bit stronger might be a really good thing so who knows but it could be great so <laughs> yeah i think that's it glass half full right it could be great i think it it could be a good thing it could be something that turns into you know a really good um thing for the team and a really good uh a positive influence on the team i think look there's something about uh, you know, a nice pair of old comfortable shoes, right? You know, who, you know, you, you, they tried something new. It's not worth, let's bring someone back who knows the team well, let's bring someone back who knows the cars well, the drivers well, um, you know, uh, and maybe there, yeah, just that bit of confidence that that can give, like you said, to the rest of the team. If there is like a technical, you know, as a chief technical officer, 
if if you know if he's uh, if James is going to be overseeing a bunch of people whose confidence might be down right now, whose um, uh, you know whose departments have you know got a lot of shit over the last year and you know three months or however long the season's been, and I, yeah, I just think there's no, there's nothing wrong with trying that, and you know um, we all know James is like I say, very influential in Mercedes. And I, yeah, I'm, I'm choosing to look at it glass half full. I mean, with the way that they're saying that we need to make some drastic changes to it, it'll be interesting how much of that we see next season or how much is, is kind of put into into next season. I'm not, that's the one part I'm not too sure about. Yeah, I mean, I don't know whether we're going to see any visual changes soon, but yeah, one thing we will see, uh, and I don't want to really talk about them for very long because I find them super boring right now. But one thing that apparently we will see some big changes potentially this weekend will be McLaren um, because I think the fruits of their their giant overhaul, the reason that their car looks so basic this year looks so much like last year's car, as I'm sure you know, is because they realized quite early that they'd screwed up. And so they were working on an upgrade package from like well before the car was launched. And that's this weekend is when that's slotted to come in. So um, visual changes there. I don't know whether we're going to see anything like that from Mercedes this year. I hope we do just because it's interesting. And, and then we get some kind of idea if they're now headed in the right direction. My only fear is that in order to, to make up the loss, make up the time to Red Bull, they might have to they might have to be a bit slower before they're faster to you know to have a concept which isn't as well developed but then very very quickly make progress but yeah let's see yeah like let's let's see i think i mean that was interesting i mean we could touch on on mclaren really quickly like it's been bad for ages it's been for for um for a hot minute now it's been bad and i feel like it's crazy right i mean maybe because expectations aren't as high with mclaren as they are with mercedes right but i just don't see the same amount of vitriol or passion towards a team that looks pretty rudderless um, from the outside looking in. And of course, you would expect that the changes that come, things can only get better for McLaren. So you would assume that the changes they put in place for this weekend coming up are going to be good and will work. But, you know, there's a chance they... they it's not going to put them into podium places. It's not going to put them where Aston Martin are. You know, it's going to put them, let's say, further of good. Maybe they'll be able to fight with with Alpine, maybe they'll be able to, but that's, that, yeah, Alpine don't want to be where Alpine are, and I think Alpine are another team that are looking to go aggressive this season with their update package, so, I mean, what are your thoughts on McLaren, and I guess what we're seeing from them, you know, look, commercially, they're, they're great, and Zach Brown will always be able to, you know, I think they've got like 47 sponsors or something, um, but what are your thoughts on on Zach Brown, McLaren, and I guess where they find themselves this season? I guess where Lando and Oscar find themselves, and you know, well, yeah, yeah. I Shit, think the start of this season, <laughs> they are just they've just been they've been suffering because of how early McLaren realised they got it wrong, and how they basically just shut off development on this current car that we're seeing now. And so I think what we've seen this year so far isn't really reflective of what we're going to see for the rest of the year. Once this upgrade package comes, 
which the, the problem with this is that this upgrade package was instigated by the person who eventually got sacked anyway, James Key. So they didn't have confidence in him to keep him. And this upgrade package was, you know, largely developed under his um, watchful eye. So I don't know. I don't know what to say about that. But anyway, uh, they're saying it's going to be quite a big step forward. McLaren's, the p- positives for McLaren are that they've got rid of Ricardo and Piastri is way more capable of driving modern F1 cars than Ricardo. Um, and so at least at least Lando's now being kept on his toes. At least they've got a solid handle on where they are with both cars. You know, they score points with both cars at the last race. They're not quick enough to score points, but they have a pair of drivers who are good enough to take the take the spots when they become available. And that probably wouldn't have been the case with Ricardo. Um, aside, you know, Monza aside, and you can't just, we can't just cling on to the. That's very much an outlier in the couple of Ricardo years. McLaren were looking kind of all right up until the Ricardo first season it, like Lando was getting so many podiums and it was like they were on the exact correct trajectory and it just stalled yeah. and they've fallen back to earth massively so I think maybe maybe throwing all their eggs in the James Key basket it, maybe he just wasn't quite as good as as they thought he was or yeah. so yeah anyway they they need to they need to do something but maybe yeah. McLaren will end up being like a Williams where they just kind of fizzle out you know they just they cling on to the former glory for long enough and then eventually they're just one of the bottom two teams um hopefully that isn't going to happen <laughs> but um yeah. but again we'll see I, i'm not a giant mm. fan i find them a kind of a, a little bit meh which won't be a popular opinion because a lot of people love McLaren no i mean look the, the, i i'm i mean look I'm the same. Obviously, I've got fond memories. I used to support... They were always like my second team, I would say, with McLaren. So when I was a kid, I obviously got into F1. And when I was a kid, you know, I I actually supported Michael Schumacher. Michael Schumacher was like my favourite. I think I liked his name. I liked um, the first full season I watched. I think I watched a bit of 95... Well, the first full season I watched, fuck me, it was so long ago, it was 1996. I think we're probably about um, the same. I think you're, you're yeah. a little bit younger than me, aren't you? But I think, I think we, so, yeah. I think our first proper season of taking it seriously is about the same. 90, yeah. 96, so, I remember sitting and watching it. Yeah, watching every race. Um, I, I, remember, I remember staying up. I do remember staying up for Australia. Um, and I remember was all, all waking up for Australia, probably not staying up, but I was waking up for Australia. It felt like a very adult thing when you're a kid. Like I felt like I had, like I was up on my own. It's still quite dark. Maybe you're in your room, you're in like, you know, the living room downstairs on your own, watching this thing. Like none of my parents yeah. liked sport of any kind either. So it was I'm always just- like a bit of, I'm just derailing you okay. here, right? Just because of what you just spoke about there. Australian Grand Prix, getting up or staying up in the middle of the night or normally waking up because it's super early. Yeah, waking up. That is yeah. one of my favourite things to do. Cup of tea, peanut butter on toast on the sofa, just like with a <laughs> duvet. And I didn't get that this year because I, I was in Texas during the Australian Grand Prix. So I had this really weird experience oh. of it was just on late at night it was cut it was not prime time but yeah, time it, it? it was uh, it was on like midnight so it wasn't um, it wasn't too late i didn't have to go to bed first it was just oh i stayed up and it was on and so that was a real weird experience yeah. anyway sorry i've derailed you carry on you're saying you're no, that's fine. Schumacher. 
<laughs> yeah, my favorite driver was <laughs> no, that's fine. I didn't get that experience. Wow, I didn't get that experience either because I went on the last lap show and uh, they fed us De Savano and Coke, and I and I watched it and then uh, subsequently pissed off all of their fans, which I'm not sorry for. I saw, um, some, I saw something about that, but yeah, yeah, no, look, sorry, sorry, Tomo, uh, I, I love you. Your uh, your listeners are pricks. So um, we uh, we had like um, we had. Um, uh, Schumacher was my favourite even when he was not good like Schumacher was like not my favourite he was my favourite as in like not in the fastest car in Ferrari but Williams I never liked Williams like I never had an affection for Williams maybe because they were going against Schumacher but I never really like had an affection McLaren felt like a cooler team like it felt like a you know they had like um, I liked Mika Hakkinen uh, like when he was going against Schumacher, I like the West livery. I think it's one of my favorite liveries. Um, so yeah, I've always had like a bit of a social, and then obviously Hamilton comes in and then, um, you know, McLaren and my team for like five, for however many years, five, six years. So, um, I just think that a part of them died when Ron Dennis left for better or for worse. And I think that kind of like that independent, spirit that they had obviously they are i mean they're, you know they're kind of they're owned by i want to say bahrain international um group so um you know that is that but yeah i just find and i find i find their social very try hard like it's it's very forced and i think they tried to force it with Daniel Ricciardo and they thought wow we're gonna have Daniel Ricciardo and Lando Norris this is gonna be banter central and banter central it was not it was two of the most awkward years of teammates I think I've ever seen it was more awkward than Lewis and, and Nico and those two hated each other I think it was awkward because of, of the failed Ricciardo project like if Ricciardo had turned up and performed as they expected him to and and he was, you know, near Norris or just, you know, occasionally ahead, whatever. You know, they should have been roughly equal. But I would have expected them to be roughly equal. And they just were not. It was it was so one-sided, it was embarrassing. And that's why it just didn't work, because what can what can Ricardo do if he's trying his hardest and he's just not as quick for whatever reason? It's just there for everyone to see. It's and you saw in all the I think the the drive to survive. Um, picture of it with all the Norris interviews where he was like I, I'm, I don't feel sorry for him like that, this is just how it is he's just not doing well enough I think that's probably quite an accurate reflection of how the mood was behind the scenes and I think McLaren were just a bit like a bit surprised and taken aback by how crap Ricardo did basically and yeah that, that's, that's it so I think the project could have gone well um, but yeah can't believe that i set that up and didn't even have myself off mute i just can't i don't know what's going on today this is a poor performance on my part i'm giving a daniel ricardo-esque performance today and in that i'm gonna blame my tools i just can't get to grips with this car i don't know what i don't know can't get to grips with this with this i'm sorry i'm sorry um it's quite funny actually ricardo uh says that uh he uh has come out recently 
Uh, and said that uh, scarcity of free F1 seats doesn't scare me. Uh, he knows that there's not many top teams that are either going to be looking for new drivers or have a, uh, a seat available for 2024. But, uh, you know, he's gone on to say that he is, uh, this is what my favorite part of this uh, was. It doesn't scare me. It's always been like that. And I knew this was going to be a risk, obviously removing myself from a seat. But it's I think it's clear what I don't want. I don't want just any seat next year. I don't want to start from zero and kind of build my F1 career from scratch uh, it's, it's, well, it's yeah, not coming from an arrogant uh, unfortunately Daniel sorry sorry to interrupt you Daniel um, <laughs> you've, you've had a you've had a bad couple of seasons and your reputation is in the toilet so well, you need to suck it up and go to Haas when you had the chance and and not demand the, however many million you're demanding. Because if you genuinely think you are as good as you think you are, you'll beat Magnussen convincingly and then you'll look great. And then, then you'll have your chance at a top team again and people will think, well, maybe the McLaren thing was just, there was something weird and he didn't get on with that car. But as it stands, you've removed yourself from the equation having had two really bad years. And all anyone can remember is that you left with your tail between your legs because no one... Is a decent team wanted to put you in their car you know even Alpine had the option and they took Gasly you know he wasn't he wasn't wanted by anyone when you've been in that position you have to build you have to rebuild yourself so it's not I don't really I don't appreciate that attitude from you Daniel (laughs) Um, (laughs) because you you don't just have an entitlement to a top team you haven't done the job you you get the entitlement to be in the top team by by doing a good job recently it doesn't matter how good you were in the past loads of drivers were good in the past like you know stick Damon Hill back in the car or something do you know what I mean like you it's how good you are right now and so yeah anyway Sorry, ran over. No, 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 no. Honestly, like, uh, Daniel, I don't know who you think you are, buddy. You're you're not that guy. You're not that guy. And uh, I just think that he is really, I don't know, I I found him... uh, I mean, sometimes, you know, Tandy talks about it sometimes, like, you need to be deluded. You know, we need to be deluded about, you know, the F1 season right now and let's just enjoy whatever we're getting out of out of this season instead of, like, thinking too seriously about what could have been, what isn't, this, that and the other. But Daniel Ricardo, I don't know where you think you're going to go. Like, you know, I don't think Red Bull are going to cut Checo's contract short unless there's a major bust up or a major fall off and in all honesty you know if anyone deserves to go into that seat based on form it's Yuki Tsunoda you know if you're going to have him in your junior team for three seasons and then he comes in and beats the guy that everyone expects to be beating him and you know he's a Formula E champion F2 champion you know all of the works um I would be surprised. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised, but I would, you know, it, I, it would be, uh, it's it's already a bad indictment on their junior program that they're having to get Nick DeFries in and they're, you know, they're having to get Checo in, you know, which if they, if that was one thing about Red Bull, which you could not knock, was their junior driver program. Like, it, the, you know, it's provided so many drivers on the grid, past and present. And um, I, I liked the fact that they always gave youth a chance. Having said that, I just don't understand Daniel Ricciardo, a product of that. Like you say, like, look at Hulkenberg. Hulkenberg has pretty much restored his F1 reputation in three races simply by beating Kevin Magnussen. And, and like I said, like, it's weird in the house. You don't really know, 
who is good or who is bad. Like Schumacher beat Mazepin with all Schumacher's all right, and then Magnussen beats Schumacher with him. Magnussen's all right, and then Hulkenberg beats Magnussen, and now it's, you know, like, what is the standard of driver in that car and, and team? But all you had to go in there was he could have beaten Kevin Magnussen very easily, um, restored his reputation, hung around the paddock, and and then you know who knows? But the thing that's is, how it works. Know, that, that's how it, that, that's that what you're how supposed it to do. <laughs> unless you don't back yourself, unless you don't, unless you're worried that you're not going to be able to do that. It's not like the past where you know in ten years ago, five years ago, maybe if you weren't super young and having instant success, I think this is part of the Verstappen effect. If you didn't just come in and you were amazing immediately, then you were out. That isn't Formula One now. Experience is valued more. So Ricardo has time. He's not one of the very oldest. He's he's not one of the youngest, but he's got enough years. If Hamilton's got enough years, and if Alonso's still going, then Ricardo's got enough years left that he could have done that rebuilding phase. And, and that would yeah. have been, I think, more sensible. I think it just sucking it up for a year, beating Magnussen unless you don't back yourself. And I just worry that it was more of a... He was so bruised by just how much of a trouncing he got. It wasn't just like, on balance, Norris was quicker or like 60% quicker. It was like 95% of the time Norris was convincingly quicker. Not even like... It wasn't just that he was ahead. He was like quite far ahead, further than you should be. So... You know, Ricardo was considering being one tenth off of Norris as a big success in a weekend. So that's so. This is why I think he didn't back himself. I think if he was confident, he would have gone in and smashed Magnussen or whoever. Where, you know, wherever he ended up going, if he went to a, a different lower team, Williams, whatever. I think he would have done yeah. it because that would have restored your reputation. And you've in three years' time, take little steps, and you're back up, and you're back in the shop window. You know, Perez, Perez got himself in a Red Bull. I was gonna say, I was gonna say that's that. If anyone's the example of that, it's it's Perez, right? It doesn't work out at McLaren. You go to other teams. You know, you go. Was he at Force India that whole time? Um, so he's at Force India slash Racing Point. You know, they they kick him out for, for Sebastian Vettel, and you know he ends up because of his solid experience and and race results and being able to you know it's almost being able to nick podiums or good points finishes look at look at Alex Albon in the Williams right now absolutely restoring a reputation that was bad by a move to a team that didn't work out and and then you go from there you know and I'm sure you know whether Alex Albon will ever go to a top team again that that's up for debate and maybe you know maybe he's found a home for himself at Williams where he'll be able to grow with the team but going out of the sport completely is crazy yeah you don't you don't it's rebuild mental. a reputation like that although I think he's just hoping people forget about I think he's hoping he goes away and all people remember is the successful years but yeah I, I just don't think it's the way anyway yeah, we, uh, I've yeah. made my Ricardo feelings pretty clear. <laughs> and that's fine. And look, me and Daniel, we cannot blame our tools. So, you know, I take full responsibility for carrying on talking whilst I'm on mute. Um, so one other thing that I wanted to discuss today was... I don't know, actually. I don't even know how much. I, so there's 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 rumors that the big rumor in the paddock. No, I'm joking. But um, before before we get to that, there's um, talks that's coming out of Italy 
personally, I think this is just a lot of people being bored, but people are saying that Charles Leclerc has been talking to Mercedes. It's an open secret that Mercedes are lining up Charles Leclerc uh, for, for, you know, for that seat. Um, should Lewis go? And obviously, the longer that Lewis Hamilton doesn't sign a contract with Mercedes, the more that these rumours are going to pick up pace. I guess, you know, let me just ask you, do you have any kind of belief in those rumours? Um, I think that Leclerc for Hamilton, if Lewis decides to retire, <laughs> if and when he decides to retire, I think Leclerc's a great shout for that seat. I don't, I don't know who else I would consider putting in except Leclerc, to be honest. I feel like the bad parts of Leclerc's performances in the last year and a half or so largely stem from Ferrari failing him and him having to try extra hard to make up for it or being frustrated that the car is nearly quick enough and then isn't quite quick enough or breaks down or Ferrari making terrible strategy calls or whatever. I feel like a positive environment like Mercedes, if Mercedes get their act together and provide him with a decent car, I think it'd be a great home for Leclerc. And I think a Leclerc and Russell partnership would be awesome. I just don't see Lewis making that decision to retire yet. If Lewis sees any any opportunity that Mercedes are going to sort themselves out, he's going to be there as long as it takes for that. I I think the Lewis retiring time would be if he went and won another championship um, or if it was just a prolonged period of Mercedes sucking, which I, I don't yeah. I don't think is going to be the case. So, but with that side, if there was an open seat at Mercedes, Leclerc, perfect, great, get him in the seat. Yeah, yeah it's interesting, isn't it? Um, I, don't, I can't think of, if I, if I had to put someone from the sport into that car, I guess it would be between George and, not George, uh, between Lando and Charles. Um, oh yeah, Lando's, Lando's another great shout, actually. Lando is another yeah. good shout, to be honest. Ugh. Yeah. Um, now, yeah. now I don't know who I'd choose. <laughs> I think, I think maybe the the only problem with Lando is he hasn't had the opportunity to prove for once and for all that definitely he's the guy. But I've, I'm pretty confident that Lando is as good as anyone. I think Lando is is essentially Verstappen in a McLaren. Um, so I think the the performance golf between Lando and Ricardo was bigger than the performance golf between Verstappen and Ricardo with all the caveats about, you know, Verstappen was new in the team, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And maybe the McLaren didn't suit Ricardo. But I think Lando I think Lando is is the real deal and just doesn't have the opportunity to show it. Oh, I think I'd still take Leclerc though, because I prefer him. I think he's nicer. So <laughs> Yeah. I, I, what I was gonna say was the the relationship between George and Lando, I think it's clearly kind of broken. I don't know what's happened there between the two of them, but how close they were you know, during lock, basically when when George was at Williams and Lando was beating him, the relationship was great. And I think once George, uh, George has gone to Mercedes, and you know, it's probably very much focused on that. And Lewis Hamilton's got him in a simulator for like twenty hours a day, whipping him. And I'm sure, like you know, George doesn't have time to to you know to do as much sim stuff anymore, or whatever. Um, like you know, iRacing. I think that you know, I just think. For all their intra-team I rivalry, I think George is Team Lewis and and yeah. Lando is Team Max. And there we go. That's that's my reasoning. Yeah, no, yeah. That's no, the no, yeah. If they go Pardon. out to dinner, that would be like the groups they'd go in, I think. Yeah, 
Yeah, I think so, 100%. And I think, I think, I, I don't trust that intra team battle to not get very toxic. You know, I, I don't think Lando handled the Daniel Ricciardo situation incredibly well, if I'm going to be honest, in terms of his little comments and, um, you know, his remarks. But also, I guess, if you're pounding your teammate, I, I, no, I don't care about whether he's whether he's suffering or not. That's not my that's not my problem. But I don't think politically, Mercedes is a lot more political than McLaren. And, you know, George is almost struggling right now with saying the right thing at the right time. And, and, and but then he's PR 63. So I don't know how Lando did that. I think Charles, look, I, I would like to see Charles at, at Mercedes. I think Charles would, mean, would be my choice. Um, I think Charles is quick. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And I don't, I don't understand when people like, yeah, he does make mistakes, you know, he, a hundred percent. He has made mistakes. And like I say, some of that could be overdriving and some of that is a team. But if we're talking about like just genuine pace, pedigree, you know, race wins, um, I, I, I don't, I don't see who else. Cause we look, unless you want to put all your eggs in a George Russell basket and get someone to essentially be a number two to George. I don't think we're at that stage where we could trust George to that level yet. So I think you've got to get another number one driver in fire out. You know, and let's let's see how it goes. But I, also, I don't think Lewis is fucking retiring. One, I don't think Lewis is going to Ferrari. People, stop. Like, stop this now. Like, it is crazy that they keep peddling the Lewis to Ferrari rumours when he keeps coming out and saying, it's Mercedes or nothing. I Like, Lewis won a whole world championship and hadn't signed a new contract. I like I don't understand. Like it's fine. These things happen. I'm I'm I don't doubt that there's there is some negotiating going on. But I I don't know. I'm just gonna choose to take Hamilton at his word. I don't think he's gonna go to Ferrari because I don't think Ferrari suits him as a team and two. They're shit right now. Like I just don't get it. There was a time. There was a time where Lewis to Ferrari might have been realistic, but not now. Like Ferrari just repeatedly demonstrate that they are not up to the task of of being a, a championship contender. They've like dropped the ball so many times, and who who in their right mind, given the choice, even just it just for a change, and because Ferrari are a big impressive name, who would go there based on their form over the last few years? Like the best thing I can say about Ferrari over the last few years is they nearly made a good car last year. Like, but it was it was only good when it was you know um, so uh, unreliable it was lunching engines and then they had to turn it all down and all that. Kind of, like they. <laughs> They are just not a desirable team. They don't have the gloss that they once had. I don't think Ferrari will win a championship for quite a long time. There's certainly all the while Mercedes are still involved and Red Bull still taking Formula One seriously. Ferrari aren't aren't in the hunt for a title for me. And Lewis isn't stupid. So, yeah, I, I don't think... I think a, there was a time where he might have seen it as like an attractive place to go. Maybe when, when Vettel was challenging for a championship, that Ferrari, he might have thought, well, yeah. if Vettel can nearly beat me in that car, I will be miles ahead in that car. That yeah. maybe he would have been attracted to, but not now. No, not now. I think, like I say, if the fallout from 2016, let's say Nico had stayed maybe Lewis goes to Ferrari. But again, look, they had Vettel in at that point in time. So it would have been interesting to see, you know, if that option was there. Um, I'd, yeah, I just don't think at this current moment in time that it's something that, you know, he would go to. 
he's got all of these um, you know directives and he's supported Lewis Hamilton is more than a racing driver right now I think people need to understand Lewis Hamilton is a brand he is a philanthropist he is looking to leave a legacy which is bigger than the amount of wins he has and the titles he has because let's be honest he's done basically more than everyone in the sport on that level once you've achieved it all of course obviously there's the world driver's title uh, total which some would say he has eight. Obviously, you know, the record books say say otherwise, unfortunately. Well, so, Felipe well, Massa wants to make it six. So, is, is that... <laughs> I don't know whether you... I, was, I just read today that, that he's fully lawyered up and, he, and Massa's like, he's really pushing on with this. Um, Singapore 2008 means that Massa somehow should have been champion kind of thing. Um, so... Yeah, what do you think about that? Is Lewis going to have dropped behind Schumacher instead of being level with him? I mean, Brad. <laughs> what, what do you want me to say? I mean, he is... He's not even clutching with straws right now. I don't know what... what Felipe Massa is Mufasa hanging off Pride Rock. Like praying, praying for Scar to pick him up. I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't, brother. Nothing's gonna happen. One, um, you know, they removed Renault from from. Uh, well, no, they haven't removed Renault from. Did they remove Renault from that championship? From the. What did they do? No, um, they, they penalised the people involved. So the race results yeah. did. So Alonso still got the the race win. That's still in the record books. Yeah. But Pat Simmons and Flavio Briatore were banned from F1 for a period of time. But I'm pretty sure, and, and I haven't looked into this, I haven't taken this super seriously, but yeah. I'm pretty sure if anything was going to change, Alonso would lose the race win. And I'm pretty sure whatever happens to that result in that race... Wasn't Massa either out or at the back because he drove off with a fuel hose attached? So yeah. the correct thing, it, you can't you can't go as we've found out um, in recent years. You, you can't manipulate um, certain things after the race is finished. The FIA, the FIA are not they're happy to manipulate things during the race, but you know once it's in the past, they don't want to change it. And and the thing they'd have to change would be to I, I don't know I don't know how Massa could possibly get enough points that he then would win I I kind of feel that maybe I need to look at exactly what the result ended up being but I've got a feeling that he was out of the race so Alonso not winning won't have made Massa win the championship like that's what that's what the correct penalty would be would be to remove take away the win wow. from Renault and Alonso because that team cheated but yeah aside from that like he's really like you say clutching at straws for, for sure but I mean look, anyway it's bro, funny it's I mean, amusing it's, it's funny as fuck I mean look he, he actually yeah like I said he drove uh, he had a, a botch pit stop went out to finish outside the points with Hamilton finishing in third place right so um, it would have promoted so if they remove Renault it'll give Hamilton more points and mean that he definitely wins and it doesn't matter what happens to Glock on the last corner of, of Brazil so What's he on about? Yeah, I think he wants the whole race voided. Um, and look, 
that, that just isn't how it works. You don't, you don't, you would void a race. So uh, I'm going to get on my high horse here. You would void yeah. a race if the organizers had done something wrong. So for example, Abu Dhabi 21, I think there's a legitimate case to say that that race could have been voided because the organizers did something well outside of the actual regulations that wouldn't have helped hamilton verstappen would have still won the championship but i think i still would have gone away with a slightly better taste in my mouth because it would have felt like they'd acknowledged that yeah we did something which wasn't allowed it it would have again if they had done that it, it probably would have not been it wouldn't have been the right thing but i would have understood it that yeah. wasn't the case at Singapore 2008. You don't void everyone else's points because one team cheated. You remove that team from the standings. That's how sport works. You don't say, oh yeah, that Renault who won the race cheated, therefore everyone's disqualified. That isn't that isn't how it works, Massa. So the, the most he could hope for would be that Renault and Alonso would be removed from the standings, which they probably should have been. And all that would have done is give Hamilton more points. So... He's, he's being deluded. <laughs> he's been very deluded. And also, I just want to say that the 2008 Singapore Grand Prix is a classic example of how shameless F1 are because they still are like, well, Philando Alonso, his best race win has been when he come from 15th place. Like, that, is, that is unbelievable. <laughs> You, I don't, any other sport would be looking to bury that and this sport is so shameless they'll sell mugs of of Abu Dhabi in their F1 in their F1 uh, museum they will was that an official F1 mug was that really sold by F1 I never really quite got to the bottom of that it was. That it is. Was in their, um, that's crazy. It was in their museum I thought maybe yeah. it was like a fan created you know Etsy mug um, so, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, that is shameless. <laughs> um, so, uh, an F1 personnel bought it. Anyway, that's not my. That's neither here nor there. So, I, uh, I think. Yeah. I mean, look, Felipe, baby, I love you. Your lovely personality. I love every time that you are on TV. I've got so much respect for you as a driver. Everything you've overcome, buddy. You need to hang it up. What I will say is this, though. I will say this, you know, he is taking him to court because Eccleston has uh, conceded that both he and former president Max Mosley knew about the incident in 2008 and intentionally kept it a secret to protect the sport, uh, knowing that an investigation would have affected the outcome of the title race. Um, I mean, for me, you would, like I said, you would expel Alonso and, and, and whoever. And then, yeah, you know, I still don't um, see anything from what you've just said there that would suggest that if, if Mosley yeah. and Eccleston had allowed an investigation, if they told anyone about it, made it public, allowed an investigation, yes, it would have affected the title race. It would have handed the title to Hamilton. That's that's what would have happened. So I yeah. don't understand what Massa's point really is. Yeah. Felipe, have I ever told you a Felipe Massa hmm. anecdote um, about when me and Massa spent a... a hour or so on a bus together sat next to each other no please I, i'm gonna to have to be careful how i say this so i don't get sued okay because <laughs> wealthy people um might not like it okay R race of champions. they probably don't listen to this show to be fair so. race of champions 2015 um of the course. the thing that I've probably blabbed on about loads of times. <laughs> there's uh, there's a point where they're bringing in all the drivers into the stadium 
um, to wave to the crowd and stand on top of an mm-hmm. open top double decker bus and wave. Um, and and so we were all on this bus and I was I was sat next to Massa. That's just a seat that I had or he came sat next to me, whatever. And behind us, Jensen Button was telling a very rude story about a thing that had happened to him um, uh, when he was on holiday. This was when he'd just broken up with his, or divorced, or was going oh, through okay. divorce with his wife, Jessica Mishabata, I believe. Yeah. So he was obviously out on some kind of crazy um, bachelor weekend yes. he was telling this story this is a uh, this is a terrible anecdote because i can't tell you the detail i'm going to tell you the details of offline but i'll tell you i'll just give the clean <laughs> version he told her okay. told the story and it was so graphic and um unsuitable for broadcast that massa actually stood up in his seat turned around and said am i allowed to swear on this show yeah sure Go turned around and just looked at jensen and said what the fuck are you talking about mate like massa <laughs> was like really like he he wasn't like angry. He was just like, yeah. Oh my god, Jensen, you can't say this stuff. So there we go. That's um. Wow. Well, look. Uh, I'll tell, you what, you, I'll tell I you what Jensen was... said later on. <laughs> Lovely stuff. Well, look. I mean, uh, if you want to hear, uh, you then become a patron of Quick Stop F1, <laughs> and Nasha will email you the story. <laughs> I will. I will not because I don't. Want, I don't want you to uh, to get into any trouble. But join the Patreon. Um, what I would say is, Massa, go after money. Like you've got more chance suing them for like damages than getting the championship back. Like don't don't worry about that shit. Um, quickly then. Oh fucking hell, Fernando Alonso and Taylor Swift. I mean, oh, now we're talking. Uh, <laughs> this yeah, is this is okay. the real Formula One news. <laughs> this is why oh I came on. <laughs> Fernando, he is um, definitely the- officially dating Taylor Swift. <laughs> That's true. That's a true fact. You heard it that- here, fiftieth, because yeah, it's yeah, all over the news. Yeah. It is. It is crazy. Like. I don't think that's come from anywhere reputable. Um, I genuinely think that the power of F1 Twitter is that something can take hold and two people break up with their partners around the same time and end up like someone just makes a rumour about it. And it's true. And I just... If it is true... I don't give a fuck, <laughs> but it will be quite funny. But I, I don't know. I just don't know. I don't even know how to report on this. So I think what's happened is, and I, I woke up to this uh, on Twitter and and just was trying to get to the bottom of it because I really thought this was real at first. And it's because <laughs> because of the way it was reported. And it was an article on, on rodentrack.com, I believe. Basically, oh someone had God. written an article on a, a pretty reputable website about the rumours. And so they picked up on some social media rumors, which I don't think were very big. They then wrote an article about it. The article had a bit of a clickbaity headline. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was something like the F1 story I didn't expect to see. They didn't make it completely obvious, or it definitely wasn't obvious in the title that this was not substantiated and was just a rumor gone mad. And because of that, I saw other people, notable people, sharing this same article. And then it kind of grows legs and becomes a thing all of its own and i can very easily see how people would think it was 
real. You know, celebrities, unexpected celebrities do get together. There's loads of people who I know from totally different areas that I wouldn't realise they were couples, but they are. Um, what are who does um, Weekend Update? Um, Colin Jost, and he's uh, on Saturday Night Live. He's married to Scarlett Johansson. Stuff like that, you know, like celebrities who are like, yeah, you wouldn't necessarily expect to be together. Um, I do think Fernando Alonso and Taylor Swift are quite an extreme example of that. And I think <laughs> here's here's the story. Here's the magical happy ending. Because of the rumours, they then do meet each other at some kind of event because they just get put together. They they actually do fall in love, and we have this celebrity. F1 couple. You know, Lewis and um, Nicole Scherzinger, you know, they're very, very different worlds they're from and there we go. They got together and and she was tall as well, I think, wasn't she? I can't remember. She she is Race very drivers tall. are quite She's small. Very tall. Yeah. Uh, so I've just got tissue in my beard. And, and, and thank you. So yeah, like I, I just, um, yeah, I think, look, Fernando Alonso would do anything for some attention. And I don't know, like he's clearly just hired a very good social media admin because they are... They're, they're doing all the transitions on his videos. He's, you know, he's got songs, hip hop songs, the N word blasting all over. I'm, Fernando, I didn't know, didn't know you listened to this shit. Um, but, uh, they're, you know, they've clearly got someone young in there. And, you know, he's, he's put out the TikTok today of him listening to famous Taylor Swift song Karma, uh, and, um, giving a little wink and, you know, I'm not going to lie to you. If Fernando Alonso is happy, then I'm not happy. So actually, I hope that he's alone, really upset, not happy with his personal life. I hope that the breakup is doing him real bad, real dirty. I hope it affects his driving. And I, yeah, fuck him. So I, I don't feel quite as strongly about Fernando, but <laughs> I, to I totally understand. Um, I, yeah. The only reason I don't feel as strongly about Fernando is because he's old, and I like I like the older drivers continuing to do well because that means I'm not necessarily completely washed up. And he's one of only two <laughs> F1 drivers who are older than me, so right. uh, so that's the only that's the only reason that he has my kind of vague occasional support. But yeah, I, I think right, I agree okay. with you in in most most areas. <laughs> No worries. Uh, look, let's wrap it up now. We've got Azerbaijan coming up. We've got a spin race, first spin race of the season. We still don't know if the changes that they were planning to bring in for this spin race are going to happen. But I guess quick thoughts on Azerbaijan, spin races, no spin races. What are your thoughts? I, I'm famously well against sprint races. Not a big fan. I, I don't want to just sound like a... I, I'm a complete purist and I just want it to all stay the same. It's not like that. I just think they suck. I think the best bit, I think the reason Formula One races are interesting is because of the length and because Formula, we all know Formula One cars don't race very well. They're not touring cars. They're, they're not very good at having battles and races. That's just not, even with the rules tweaks for the last couple of years or the big rules changes, they're still not amazing at racing each other as race cars go. Very, very fast race cars with short braking distances and lots of aero just don't tend to be good at battling. What makes an F1 race interesting is the way the strategy plays out over a long-ish period. And sprint races are basically like just having the first stint of a race. And the first stint of a race is just as it's beginning to get interesting. And then at the end of that, then we start seeing it all play out 
So I just think they suck. And I don't think they're the answer. I think they are a symptom of Liberty's drive towards being exciting for the sake of being exciting without actually having real substance and value behind it. And I wish they didn't exist. So I don't really care what the tweaks in the sprint race format are. I wish it would die. And... If they are going to have them, I wish they would have them at every race, so at least it was consistent and it wasn't just obviously uh, an occasional gimmick. I wish there was like some format and they just had it all the time and at least I could get used to it as, well, this is just Formula 1 now. We have a sprint race, like like MotoGP. Not that I watch, I don't know yeah. MotoGP. I don't watch it, but I did hear another podcast talk about how they are doing it at every round and they just sprung that on the teams just before the season started. That would be kind nice. of okay. I still hate it, but at least it'll be consistent. I think it's really yeah. amateur for a professional series to have different formats uh, at different races as we've got especially when they don't even know what the bloody format is before the race weekend no look you i'm gonna give you a little gunshot for that because honestly that is uh i just don't think um i don't mind spin races because i look you suck too you're wrong (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair play. And look, would it be the first time? Just um, agree with me. I, <laughs> okay, you know what? Brad is right. It's been race suck. Um, no. And look, they, you're right. The format itself sucks. As in, I don't think they are what they are advertising. It's false advertising. It's not a mad dash to the finish. 20 cars going at it, battling tongs. Hey. Ammer and Tong, sorry. It's, you know, it's, it's a first stint. There's no tyre changes. It's, you know, once the first corner is, is done, then you don't even have the added benefit of, of strategy to kind of um, help the race keep alive. And yeah, it's too much risk involved. Um, and I think that's what they were looking at, like, you know, having it as an isolated thing. Um, you know, um, they, you know, so people are willing, uh, willing to take more risk with, um, you know, uh, whether they try and overtake people because it's going to be kept as like an isolated thing. But they don't know if that's even going to be a thing yet. So uh, well, I'll tell until you that they happens, they don't, they don't avoid overtaking each other mainly because of the risk. That's that's like a small element of why you wouldn't go for a move. But generally, you the reason they don't overtake each other is because we have a qualifying system where we start the fastest person at the front and the slowest person at the back, right? So naturally, it's hard to have overtaking when you're already in pace order at the beginning. Um, yeah. And the other reason they don't overtake each other is because it's hard to overtake each other in Formula yeah. One. That's just the nature of it. And that's why it's interesting having the strategy because there's an element you can overtake people without having to actually pass people on the track. I also think the other negative, and this has been done to death, but I'll just say it anyway, just in case anyone hasn't heard this. If you have had a bit of an interesting qualifying session where some people are out of position for whatever reason, yeah. the sprint race just puts, yeah, the sprint race <laughs> just puts them back in the boring order, ready for the main race. So yeah. any interest you would have had from the you know the strange qualifying session is out of the window or lot, or it's at least mainly back to normal by the end of the sprint race. So it, it actually makes things worse, in my opinion. And the argument that yeah, but wouldn't you rather have a race than a practice session? It's it's not a real race. It doesn't count. Like it's only small points. It's not. I would rather have a practice session because practice sessions are awesome for different reasons. Because if you're at the race itself, you can watch from various corners. You can wander around. Practice sessions are. It's, there's no pressure to be watching every bit. You can still see Formula One cars go around the track. You still get that experience. But you can kind of take a wander, see from a couple of different corners, whatever. If you're watching on at home, 
and there's a practice session on you can treat it like we or like a lot of us treat testing or whatever or you know i listen to practice sessions but i don't have to be sat in front of the tv staring at it there's I, that's sunday or, or qualifying on saturday if, if sometimes but yeah so i i anyway i i'm not necessarily right i'm right for me this is how i feel yeah. but and, and I, yeah. I appreciate i'm i'm an old f1 fan now so maybe i'm not the target audience i remember back in the day bernie eccleston just cared about old men watching and now i'm nearly an old man i want it to be about me and it's not bring him back (laughs) (laughs) um look i i think yeah it's a commitment i think like having to fucking be there and watch something on a friday afternoon when you know a lot of people are fucking work for fuck's sake like you know i mean like so there there is that there's also um, but, you know, I think for the people there, it's obviously better to watch qualifying than it is to watch practice. But uh, I think they're putting the cart before the horse. So, yes, OK, let's switch up the format, you know, to help the people, to help monetize at the races and, you know, get more eyes on the TV. But, you know, unless you, you know, you then put a bunch of regulations where, the cars are wider, the cars are heavier, it's harder to overtake. Um and and you know, so if you're just gonna have a harder to if it's harder to overtake in an hour and a half, then it's gonna be hard to overtake in half an hour. Like I worry um, that we so, end up yeah. in a situation when when we keep going down this route, and this is just a uh, you, the listeners don't need to hear this, but I'm just gonna rant for a moment anyway. I worry that Go we crazy. end up in a NASCAR situation where you have things like um, stages so we already nearly have this with the way that the race directors are so trigger happy on red flags safety or, uh, or safety cars flag. or whatever yeah. um, I'm, all, I'm obviously completely fine with them using those safety measures when they're required but it's no coincidence that in recent years we've had an enormous uptick in the number of safety cars and red flags there's very very clearly been a, a mandate or uh, some decree by Liberty or whoever's making the decision that use these more often because they cr- they generate excitement. And I think Australia was a bit of a, a culmination of, of that. But I worry that we get into a NASCAR situation where the race never is allowed to just play out as a complete race. You have stages and then they bunch everyone back up again. And then you have another stage and you bunch everyone up again. And we end up with just such a different sport to, to the one that I certainly... Uh, you know, have have lived most of my life enjoying that I end up having to go and watch something else and I don't really want that. Uh, what I want yeah. it to at least be a sport. I, I just don't want it to be so artificial that we're having to like come up with things. When it, I find it interesting enough. The thing that makes it interesting is let the rules play out as they are now with the the way that we've got the resource restrictions and the budget caps and enforce, the, enforce them so it's really bad if you break the budget caps and eventually over a number of years everyone will be quite similar because it'll be impossible to outspend other people and you'll end up with 10 or hopefully 12 or 13 really close teams and then you don't need any gimmicks you just let the races run as they currently run and you've got loads of really yeah. close teams that's how it should work but I feel like we're we're so eager to have it now no it's, it's still not quite exciting enough yet so we'll just have to keep changing stuff I don't want that yeah. that's my no, feelings <laughs> Look, you know what, Brad? That's why. You see, you always put yourself down like, oh, I'm not interested. And look, you've just delivered a soliloquy there that I actually almost, almost convinced me that I'm 100% against spin races. And now 
I'm up to 90%. Um, purely for the fact that, I, you know, because I think I, I don't mind practice. And I don't know, and, and going back to the safety car thing, oh my God, what's that? Going back to the safety car thing and the fun element of it, I think if they were just upfront about it and just like, you know, if they're, you know, like I say, you know, every time someone goes in the wall, there's going to be a safety car, whether we can get it out or not, like, done. Doing every time, every time someone retires, there's gonna be a red flag. Whatever, like I'd rather they just said it than again pissing on my shoes and tell me it's raining. Don't lie to me, bro. Like and 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 you know, try and generate fun out of situations where there's just no need for it. Just, IndyCar is a great example of that, right? You know, when you watch IndyCar races, and, and those of us who have Sky Sports F1, we've got the ability yeah. now to watch every IndyCar race live. Yeah. So I'm, I'm a bit more up to speed on this than I would have been in the past. I, I do watch them. I really enjoy watching IndyCar. It's really good racing. I, <laughs> I love IndyCar. Every time I put it on, I'm like... When, when you have loads of cars that are all really similar to each other, you get good <laughs> racing. It's unbelievable. Um, so you know that any time there is a bit of debris or anything that could potentially cause a safety car, it will definitely be a safety car. And the teams take mm. that into account with their strategy. But what we have in Formula One is, it's a quite an inconsistent application of it. You'll, you sometimes yeah. will think, well, this is definitely a safety car and it's not. And other times you're like, well, that, that doesn't need a safety car and this suddenly is. If it was just every time, then the teams could at least... Okay, it does sometimes unfairly you know, disadvantages certain people and advantages others. You end up with IndyCar Marcus Ericsson winning a bunch of races that he might not have, probably shouldn't have done. But the teams have an opportunity to build that into their strategy. At the last race in yeah. IndyCar, you could see teams are making a conscious decision. We're risking it by staying out longer because if there's yeah. a safety car, we're screwed. But yeah, you just don't know in Formula One what could be completely the right decision basically all the time it gets completely ruined by a yellow flag that actually is turned into a safety car and it probably shouldn't have been so yeah i agree with you oh, look. It, it just be open about it you know if we're just going to do it to bunch up the field all the time because that's what we need to the entertainment then tell us that every yellow flag is now a safety car yeah exactly right or you know because let look at again look what happened in australia with george um i think they said that the the debris on the 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 gravel and stuff on the track and the need to fix the wall i believe uh were the reasons for it but yeah no one, one of them i think maybe you could have justified maybe, maybe the yeah. album was it album where it damaged the barrier that's the album one yeah whatever yeah, yeah, but when there's like loads of them it becomes pretty clear what's going on yeah it's we're, ridiculous we're not yeah. we're not that stupid and the formula one drivers themselves enough of them said over the radio this doesn't need to be a red flag or words to that effect that yeah. we're we're all we're all cleverer than that we are all cleverer than that and I think that's a good place to end it. I'm not going to lie to you. I think we've done a we've done a good show. I, I think I'm going to go get myself a lovely gin and tonic. I've been very des uh, very jealous of you sipping on that. But before we go, where can people find you? Okay, so people can find me mainly on Twitter, although it's dying, isn't it? It's it's going to die. The thing that I've worked Slow for death. ages to get followers on, I'm going to have to go find something different. But yeah, follow, we'll be yeah. back to MySpace. <laughs> follow me on Twitter at Bradley Philpot. Um, see if I can get to 20,000 followers before I 
have my account deleted or have to go um you can follow me on youtube or, or go and subscribe to my youtube channel as well i'm not really producing a whole lot of content at the moment there's a lot of real life stuff and work and whatever but if something interesting happens in a formula one race that i feel people need to hear my opinion about if it's a racing incident we haven't really had much of that to discuss recently but i will make a video about it and i've got a load of those from last season on my youtube channel so just search for brad philpot on youtube and see why for certain perez crashed deliberately at monaco last year and stuff like that i do remember us having a little chat about that uh before actually yeah that's maybe what we spoke about on the last episode to be honest yeah um but um the podcast so right let's tell you about the podcast <laughs> so you you very kindly came and, and guest appeared on the full chat f1 podcast which i'm yeah. not going to encourage your listeners to go and um <laughs> subscribe to because we, it's kind of died now uh, oh, i'll wow. just explain so it's you don't have to i can cut this no, out <laughs> no it's fine no it's it's died not because of lack of listeners it was actually re- we were getting really encouraging well. um growth mm. each week and and enjoying it i just as predicted, unfortunately, Spanners was right. Spanners from Mr. Apex told me that we would have pod fade from lack of squad depth because it was just me and, and my friend Alex, uh, Alex Van Jean. And we have had pod fade entirely because of me. I just, uh, I, it was too much work each week to, to make it happen and be a standard that I was happy with. And so I kind of called it. And um, so, yeah, sorry to everyone who, who came and listened. Uh, but yeah, Full Chat, I think, is is dead. There's too many other good F1 podcasts as well, like Quick Stop F1. So listen to Quick Stop instead. <laughs> you are. That's why you're here. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, no, look, I could go. Look, I got exhausted last season um, trying to trying to keep the podcast going and do all the other other stuff and even this season you know it's it's uh it's been hard so i can totally understand um any creator who you know unfortunately feels the bite of having uh, you know you have your job and you have the things that you do and then you have this passion that you have and you want to put time into that but then you know you've got to put time into the rest of your life as well and you know something's got to give at some point and I think you know it's not always the, the thing you don't want uh, at the point it becomes a real chore at the point you're like having to force yourself to do it because it's another job on your list that's probably it's not going to be as good as you want it to be yeah. you need to be loving exactly. it for it to be good and, and the things that i do do i i really enjoy and i love so i want to i want to do stuff that doesn't feel like a chore like yeah going to see quick stop live in london Fuck me, I'm an idiot. Have I not even mentioned that yet? Oh my God, we're doing a live show. There's still some tickets left, not many, but there's still tickets left. We're watching Brazil 21 and then there's going to be a live podcast afterwards. It's at Everyman Cinema in Broadgate. It is a gorgeous venue. There's going to be free popcorn for everyone, free drink for everyone, soft drink, alcoholic drink, whatever you want. And obviously the live podcast afterwards, and there's going to be loads of people there who, you know, uh, you know, some of your favorite content creators are going to be there, you know, just as guests, well, as you know, as, as patrons, and it's it's really appreciated. Um, so thank you to everyone who supported. We've already sold more tickets than we sold for our, our last events, and now it's a matter of trying to sell out this this cinema. So that's the plan, and um, yeah. Come and see us, and thank you for getting a ticket. It's really, uh, really appreciated. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm going to be sat on a double sofa, snuggled up next to Alex Van Jean, and we're going <laughs> to enjoy it. 
That's awesome, man. Uh, <laughs> that's really cool. And um, yeah, yeah it's, you know, you watch F1 on your sofa at home. So we thought, why not bring like a classic race to a cinema, which, you know, which basically you're sat on a sofa. So um yeah, I'm really looking forward to it, man. I'm really looking forward to it. But uh, but yeah, thank you for buying a ticket. And thank you for coming on the show. Let me just give you a cheer. What a guy. What a guy. Such a pleasure. Um, and thank you. Yeah, anything else before... No, just before thank, thanks for having me on. Uh, I'm not just blowing smoke. Like I'm, I'm a genuine fan of the show. So it always feels, <laughs> always feels like a real privilege to... I feel like I listen to some podcasts where if you're a real big patron... They, they occasionally invite a listener on to just be kind of part of the show. And I feel like that. I'm like, oh, yay, I got to, I got, to, I'm not a patron, a quick stop, but I feel like I get like, the little special treat of sometimes coming on and taking part. And so thank yeah, you for having me on. No, no look, uh, I'm a fan of yours. We, we could just, you know, we could just go all night. I'm a fan of yours. I love the content you make. I uh, always like, uh, back when I used to listen to other F1 podcasts and I had the time to, um, I used to really love your segments on uh, everyone Mr. in the chat is writing, get a room at this point. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, I appreciate you coming on. Always appreciate your insight. And I appreciate you guys at home. Thank you for watching another episode of Crystal Bear Fun. Make sure you're following us on all social media platforms giving us a five-star rating on Spotify. The aim this season is to get to 500. 500 five-star ratings on Spotify. We are currently on, I think, 400 and something. We're on 420. <laughs> Blaze it up. Um, so please help us to get to 500. Um, that's the target. Maybe we'll do some some kind of giveaway when we get there. Um and yeah, we'll be back on Friday with an Azerbaijan GP, Azerbaijan, Azerbaijan GP um, race preview. Uh, and we'll be back with a qualifying review as well at the weekend. Make sure that you're tuned in. Let us know what you thought of this episode. And remember, no matter what life throws at you, keep it on the black stuff. Did you want to say it? I, I wasn't sure if you were asking me to say it. I was like, oh, right. <laughs> wait, I need to unmute. I know what he wants me to say, but I don't know if I'm supposed to say that. Am I even allowed to say that? You can say keep it on the black stuff, yeah. I don't think it's appropriate. <laughs> I was like, oh, actually. <laughs> Is it appropriate? Um, maybe not. Actually, yeah, very good thing that you did it. Remember what... <laughs> No matter what I thought to you. Keep it on the black stuff. Take care, guys. Until next time. <laughs>